My fiance's father wants to check my purity by physically examining me before we get married. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. I'm a 22-year-old female and my fiance is a 25-year-old male. He wants his father to check my hymen tomorrow night before I get married. My fiance proposed to me about eight months ago. We decided on having a relatively small wedding, which is in two days. Everything was going great. He seems absolutely perfect and we are very much in love. I am a virgin and so is he. He wanted to save it for marriage and I wasn't fussed, so I agreed to saving it. He has told me earlier that in his family, the father checks the virginity of the bride the night before the wedding. I laugh this off as it seriously sounds like a massive joke. No. It turns out he was dead serious. He wants me the night before to open up my legs in a small ceremony type thing so his dad can check me while him, his brothers, and uncle can watch so they all know that I am still pure. I told him, fat chance am I going to do that? And he was begging me to go through it and how important it is for him. He said he knew it was slightly embarrassing for me, but his mom did it and it will prove how much I love him and that I have nothing to hide as I am still pure. I left and he was crying. It was very dramatic to be honest. I want to call off the whole wedding because of this and never talk to him again. But at the same time, It's only one thing. And other than that, we are genuinely perfect for each other and I don't want to spend my life with anyone else. And it is very important to him and his family. What on earth do I do? I am currently at my friend's house and I might stay here for the night. Tomorrow would be our last day as an unmarried couple and I am straight up panicking. There's an update so we do know what happens if we fast forward into the future. First of all, thank you for all of the replies. I didn't think this would get so big. I have pretty much read all of them. So here's the update. I went talk to my fiance this morning. I told him that his father is not going to look at me and he needs to respect that. He was adamant that it needs to happen and accused me about lying about my virginity. I was trying to be calm and rational, but he was not having it and he just became more and more angry. I told him, If he really loved me, he would stand by me on this and tell his father no, to which he slapped me and said he didn't need to prove anything. So I ended it, called off the wedding and left him. I'm currently back at my friend's house being miserable and eating pizza, which is pretty fun. So was I the jerk? There were a lot of responses to this. Some of people saying that this is a medieval practice and that who knows what would happen if they're demanding this before they even have children. What would they demand once their children involved? Somebody actually had the perspective of somebody who lives in a country where they do this and how it differs what the OP described. I'm from a country where some cultures still do a hymen ritual check at the weddings, but it's made only by women. Men aren't even allowed in the same room where it's taking place. I'm sure it was just BS to test the OP's limits. Glad she dipped before she got stuck with this POS. This whole thing is so weird because as people have pointed out many times across many movies and many books, that isn't even a reliable test. You can still have it after having done the deed, and you can also have the reverse situation where you no longer have it, but you never did the deed. People bring up situations like horse riding, being on a bicycle, or doing anything else that would make it not be there for a test like this. This whole situation is very weird, and it's a good thing the OP got out of there because... As many people pointed out, who knows what would have happened if she would have stuck around. It's even more odd that this family didn't bring up this whole concept until two days before the wedding and even then, she still thought that it was a joke. If this was you and you were in a relationship with a person you thought was the absolute perfect person in the world, but this was the requirement, what would you do? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. I 
sat down on my friend's MacBook and I broke it. I offered to pay her the money for it, but now she wants more money because, quote, she was upgrading anyway. So it's this or she will sue me in small claims court. I had some of my friends over at my house and one of my friends invited one of her other friends to come over. She had her MacBook on my couch, so when I sat on it, it broke. Since it was completely my fault, I offered to pay her the money for it and she agreed. She got it three years ago and it cost $2,200 at the time. I told her I'd wire her the money in a week to her bank account. She's now emailed me saying as per our conversation, she's expecting the $2,700 that I agreed for. I didn't know why she added the extra money, so I got her number from my friend and called her to find her telling me she's now expecting me to pay for her new upgraded MacBook since she was upgrading anyway. She said if I don't agree to that, she'll be suing me in small claims court. Can a judge agree to that? Should I wire her the $2,200 or should I just tell her to sue me? Fast forwarding into the future... We got an update so we see how this all played out. I did some research specifically for repairing the screen for a MacBook and for her particular model it's around $310 for the screen plus the labor cost. So I wrote her back saying that since she didn't accept my initial offer of $2,200, I'm withdrawing that offer and offering to pay for the repair cost. She sent me an email calling me a B and that she's going to take me to court. I actually got served a few days later and went to court. I told the judge I gave her three options to choose from. Number one, either to write her a check for a brand new one, which was $2,200. Number two, to get her a refurbished one from Apple or third party or even used, which would be around $1,400. Or number three, fix her current MacBook since the screen is the only thing affected here and it would cost around $300 plus money for labor. I printed out the email I sent her and the mail she sent me back refusing and demanding the $2,700 and calling me a B and saying we'll go to court plus screenshots for the price quotes from different websites for a new slash refurbished screen and the screen fix for her particular model. I gave all that to the judge. I also told him that when I offered at the very beginning to get her a new one from the Apple store, she said, no, I want the money in cash. When I told her I'd give her $2,200 for a new one, she said, okay, but later came asking for $2,700 because she wants to upgrade. I tried to show him how it's clearly visible that she's trying to take advantage of me. She gave the judge an attitude almost the whole time, which really pissed the judge off and helped my case, I guess. After listening to both of us, he ruled that I pay 50% of the repair cost since she negligently left her laptop on the couch. So I'll only be paying no more than $200 to $250 for the whole thing. If it weren't for all you guys, I would have paid $2,200 instead of the $200. And honestly, I love the look on her face at the end as we walked out. Was I the jerk? What could the other girl's logic possibly be for having her pay $2,700, so $500 more than she was already offering her to buy it brand new. I mean, that laptop obviously wasn't even brand new. It was three years old and she was offering to pay the brand new rate already. She got the idea in her head to get an extra $500 out of the situation because of what? She wanted a better model? I mean, in that case, if you get into a car accident, instead of paying the cost of the car that got destroyed, you just say, I you know, I was thinking about getting a Lamborghini. You got to pay me for the Lamborghini I was thinking about getting. It makes no sense at all. I kept thinking maybe I misunderstood that part, but no, I think she's just a greedy person that was trying to take advantage of the situation with somebody who 
who is being overly generous. I mean, it sounds like the OP didn't even know this girl. She just came over to her house and then she put her laptop there, which how could the OP know? The OP didn't do it on purpose. She just accidentally sat on top of it. The way that the OP handled this is probably more generous and thoughtful than 99% of people that would be in a situation like this. Most people wouldn't even consider paying for the entire laptop unless maybe they were friends or something. Actual friends, not friends of friends. I think most people would start with how can I repair this for you? So if this was you in this situation, how would you have handled it and jerk or not a jerk and why? While running cables behind a wall, I discovered a stash of $100,000 in cash. Is this money now legally mine? I inherited a house from my uncle three years ago and by accident, trying to pass a cable there, I found a stack of cash hidden in the wall. I bought a stud finder and looked through all the walls today and found about $100,000 cash and a VHS cassette. They were all packaged and sealed in very strong and thick plastic bags. I already ordered a VHS player for my computer to see what's on the tape, but my question is whether I can take this cash to my bank and just deposit it without raising any suspicions. Do I need to do that $10,000 at a time or all in one go? I want to use this money to pay back my student loans, which are now about $65,000. I'll use the rest of the money to pay off my car and the rest for building an emergency fund. Someone asked about the phrasing of the will and the OP said, I remember the phrasing house and all its contents was in there. Besides, there's nobody else except for me. In response to someone asking if this money could have been gained through illegal activity, the OP said he wasn't the most mentally stable person, so doing something crazy was totally possible. But no, he's not a dealer. So if you're wondering what was on that VHS tape, if we fast forward into the future, there was an update. I watched the VHS tape and it was of my uncle going on a 25-minute speech about government conspiracies and how banks cannot be trusted. That's why he kept his savings in cash. He didn't even trust a safe deposit box. That's why they were kept in his walls. And it was $120,000 as he said it in the video. I found the other $20,000. I went to a lawyer. I showed her the will. I showed her the video. And she said it's surprisingly common for people to leave cash inheritances in our area. She talked to the executor of the will as well and then wrote a letter for me to give to the bank which explained this is from a cash inheritance with contact details to the executor in case the bank needed to contact them. I scheduled an appointment with the bank. When I told them it's for a cash deposit, they told me I don't need to make an appointment for that. But I told them it's for a large deposit. They still said no appointment is necessary. But then I said it's a very large deposit. So they booked the appointment. Everything went smoothly at the bank. They made a copy of the letter that my lawyer prepared. Money was in my account a few hours later. I made payments and my student loans and car loan are both paid off. And I now have a larger emergency fund. I wanted to tell you about a new podcast I thought you would like called The Reslayer's Take. It's a brand new all-ages actual play from Critical Role that follows a new group of adventurers within Exandria. After six misfit mercenaries are rejected from the elite monster hunting group The Slayer's Take, they band together and battle supernatural creatures across the rugged continent of Isilra. It has fresh adventures for a longtime critter or is a perfect first dip into the world of Critical Role. Check out the first episode if you like what you hear and make sure you follow The Reslayer's Take wherever you get your podcasts. I know a lot of people are making fun of the uncle for having government conspiracies and not trusting the banks, but if it's not just him, if it's a lot of people in that area, there may have been something that happened in the past, even if it wasn't in his generation that his parents went through or their parents went through, where there was some sort of bank run situation or some sort of emergency that instilled this type of thinking. A lot of times people make fun of families that value gold, but those people have probably never been through something 
where they couldn't just walk to a bank and get money. Referring to the people that think it's weird that this family values gold and they go, ow, why do you have gold? That's so useless. Once you have those type of experiences, it seems to totally change the way you think about what money is in general. And there's got to be a reason in the past why it's surprisingly common for people in this area to leave cash inheritances. But with all that said, this is a pretty incredible windfall. The OP not only has a house of his own now, but he has $120,000, which he spent to pay off his car, his student loans, and then has an emergency fund as well. Obviously, none of that is worth losing your uncle, but it turns out he was able to use that money. So if you were in a situation like this, where you randomly found $120,000 in the walls, how would you spend that money? Let me know down below. I don't want to help my boyfriend buy a house. I've been with Mark for two years now. When we got in a relationship, we discussed what we wanted, marriage, kids, etc. But we haven't really talked about taking the next step yet. Mark's dream has been to own his own house. He has been saving up for it because we live in a medium to high cost of living city. It's not going as fast as he'd have liked. Yesterday, he asked me if I would consider paying for all the rent and utilities for an entire year while he aggressively saves. Frankly, I'm not 100% on board and I told him this. I asked him if he has thought about marriage. He said that it might be too soon and I agree, but that he definitely loved me and saw a future with me. I asked him if the house would be completely his own or if we'd buy it together. And he said it would completely be his own because we aren't married yet and buying a house together would be risky. I asked him if he'd pay me back his share and he said, eventually. I have an inherited house from my grandmother in a high cost of living city, which I'm currently renting out. I do not want to lose it. And when I inherited it, Mark and I agreed that if we ever head towards marriage, he's fully on board to sign a prenup that ensures he has no claim on it. He stated that he'd include this house in the prenup because it would be his own. Here's my problem. Mark has not done anything for my grandma's house. Neither have I. The house was in perfect condition. I rented it out within months of finalizing the inheritance, but he literally has no reason to stake a claim. But by covering all the rent and utilities for a year, I will be providing monetary assistance to him. And if we break up, I'd have lost quite a bit of money for seemingly no reason. In a way, I'd feel entitled to a part of this house. Is this a selfish way to think? I love him, but I don't want to assume the risk, especially because our future is not clear. I asked him if he'd consider moving in with his parents and I'll find a roommate temporarily for a year so that he could save up money. This way, I wouldn't have to spend more than I need to. He'd achieve his goal and we could still continue our relationship. But he said I was being incredibly selfish and untrustworthy because it would be our home. Just not on paper, that I clearly don't see a future with him. And now he's not talking to me. Part of me feels like this relationship is doomed. Is there a way to salvage this? After a few days, I proposed the following three things to Mark. Number one, I would front him the money instead of paying for his rent for 12 plus months that he needed for the down payment on his house. Number two, he'd calculate what percentage that money would be of the total cost of the house. The houses he was considering were in the $500,000 range. I would own that percentage of the house, not 50-50 or anything, just the percentage that I paid for. And number three, if he pays me back within a year without any interest, I'd remove my name from the deed and he'd own the house completely. If he doesn't pay me back within the year, he'd have to pay me whatever my percentage was worth a year down the line if he intended on owning the house fully. Otherwise, I was happy to have a 10% claim on the house forever. So basically, if I fronted him $50,000 for a $500,000 house, I would own 10%. I would charge him no interest for the first year. However, if he doesn't pay me back, then he needs to pay me 10% of whatever the house was worth next 
next year. So if the house is worth $600,000, he would owe me $60,000 and so on. To be honest, this isn't that great of a deal because real estate prices are nuts right now and are increasing pretty dramatically. So this is literally worse than taking out a loan. I propose this in the hopes that he'd decline and we just go back to never having discussed this at all. To my surprise, he immediately agreed and said that he'd get a lawyer to draft an agreement, even though he hadn't finalized a house. Well, okay then. He had it ready in two days. He was incredibly pushy about me signing it, but I wanted to review the whole thing with my lawyer, so I didn't care. It turns out there were some super shady clauses added, with my contribution being termed as a gift and not as a loan. I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically my lawyer said that this agreement was super problematic and would cause all sorts of issues down the line. He drafted an alternate and sent it to Mark. Mark did not sign it. He was adamant that I signed the original agreement, but he wouldn't tell me why. He got increasingly angry and became kind of violent, which was the first time. And I was very surprised and scared. He called me a B for not trusting him and for reducing our relationship to a transaction. After two whole days of this, of emotional manipulation and gaslighting, I decided that I no longer trusted or cared for this man. And there is no way in hell I can continue to be in a relationship with him. So... Yeah, I'm out of that relationship, y'all. And the money is all mine. All I can feel is peace. Was I the jerk? I'm very glad to hear that the OP got out of the situation. This guy sounds like a total jerk. I mean, the fact that he even thought it was normal or okay to say, hey, pay for everything for an entire year and uh, I get to keep everything. It's pretty messed up. Some people are making it about gender, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. If any person was trying to do that to any other person, regardless of whatever their role was in the relationship or whatever their gender was, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, the OP consistently provided fair and reasonable alternatives. I mean, she even said, hey, let's stay together, but you go live with your parents for a year. I'll go do this. That way you can save up money more easily. And then he tries to catch her in this weird, shady contract. I mean, why did he think that he should even be the one drafting the contract in the first place when he's not the one who's providing the offer? It's probably, as the OP is implying here, that he's up to something nefarious and he's trying to pull something that she wouldn't have noticed. So all I can say is I'm just glad that she's out of there. That sounds like a terrible situation and she just dodged a bullet. But how would you handle this if this was the person that you wanted more than anyone else in life and they proposed this thing to you? How would you handle it? What would you say? And let me know down below, jerk or not a jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.